Welcome to the King's Word Bible Study. I'm your host, Brother Vinny Fitzgerald, and today we're going to delve into the Bible to bring you insight from God's Word that will help you to grow and to develop into spiritual maturity. These lessons are designed to help guide you and strengthen you in your relationship with the Lord. Whether you've never opened a Bible or read it cover to cover, this podcast will inform and uplift you. Our purpose is not only for you to know and to understand the King's Word, but for you to live it out in your day-to-day life. Philippians 4 and 9 tells us, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Today, our topic is going to be overcoming the flesh. Let's begin in Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8, beginning in the first verse, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus have made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh to live after the flesh, for if you live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Since we've been born again, God has renewed our minds and transformed our lives. Before we were saved, we were completely subjected to our flesh, but now God has placed His Spirit within us and freed us from being in bondage to the flesh. Verse 15 of chapter 8 says, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Although we're no longer subjected to the bondage of the flesh, the flesh is still a part of us because we still live in a fallen world. Now we have two different natures within us. We have a carnal nature and a spiritual nature, and these two are opposed to each other. This is because the flesh, previously having had control, has lost it and now wants to regain it, which causes there to be conflict. Romans chapter 7 Verses 22 to 23 tell us, For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. There's constantly a war going on within us. And since this is the case, we have to understand our enemy. Verse 5 says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. 
But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. The concordance says for the Greek word for flesh that it means merely of human origin or empowerment. It goes on to say it is generally negative, referring to making decisions or performing actions according to self, done apart from faith and independent from God's inworking. Thus, what is of the flesh or carnal is by definition displeasing to the Lord, even things that may seem respectable. In short, flesh generally relates to unaided human effort, decisions and actions that originate from self or are empowered by self. This is carnal and of the flesh and proceeds out of the untouched, unchanged part of us, what is not transformed by God. This reveals a lot to us about the flesh, especially what it's not. Since the flesh is free from anything that originates or is empowered by God, it's completely against the Spirit. The Holy Spirit bursts within us the things that He requires or expects from us. He gives us everything that we need and then empowers us to use those things. Philippians 4 and 19 says, But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Faith and all the other fruits of the Spirit are all the products of God working within us. And we will never find any of these things that we need in our flesh. When we give in to our flesh, we're trying to go it alone, without the help or the guidance of God. We're allowing the flesh to take a place in our lives that rightfully belongs to God. And we're following our own leadership and our own guidance. The flesh attempts to leave God out of the equation entirely, which is why it is so dangerous. The absence of God affects our decisions, and then in turn, it affects our actions. Verse 8 is important. It says, So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. This isn't referring to the people of God, because verse 9 told us, But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. But although this verse isn't addressed to us, there are people all around us who are still in bondage to the flesh. We need to ask ourselves the question, why can't they please God? The reason is because the flesh leaves no room for faith, because faith is produced within us by God. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. In the void that is left by the absence of faith, what we find is the opposite of faith, which is fear. People beholden to the flesh are in bondage to fear. That's why Paul said in verse 15, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. Walking in the flesh is inseparable from fear, and walking in the spirit is inseparable from faith. These things go together. The next question that we need to ask ourselves is what exactly does it mean to please God, and how is it done? In order to answer this question, we need to look at the word please. The concordance says in the Greek it means to please, with the idea of willing service rendered to others, to serve. It also says it means to win someone's favor, affection, and approval because of meeting their expectation, especially by being in moral agreement, to strive to please, to accommodate oneself to the opinions, desires, and interests of others. We can't be in moral agreement with God while still being in the flesh because the flesh won't subject itself to God's law. We also can't meet God's expectations in the flesh because his standards are too high for us. We can only meet his expectations if he produces within us what he expects of us. We also see the importance of willful service. Many people willfully serve the flesh, serving themselves, 
which means that they can't also be willfully serving the Lord too, because we can't serve two different things at the same time. Matthew 6 and 24 says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Pleasing the Lord starts with the desire to willfully serve the Lord. We serve him in both our thoughts and our actions. But if we serve our flesh for our thoughts and actions, it will quickly lead us down the wrong path. Willful service is the foundation. The other part of the definition that we must make note of is the portion that says to accommodate oneself to the opinions, desires, and interests of others. This is very important in light of verse 7. Verse 7 says, Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. The NSAB version translates this verse as, Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. The concordance says for mindset in the Greek, it means the thought, that which is in the mind, purpose and aspirations. It then goes further to say that it means visceral opinion, the innermost personal level of opinion, inner perspective, as it determines and regulates outward behavior, especially as it bears on the outward results of exercising personal insight. It points to the result of the verbal idea. It connects how the individual processes opinion-making to how they act. This has to do with what is behind our actions. Every action is derived from a thought, because these things go hand in hand. Every thought is derived from an underlying opinion or a perspective. These are what make up the mindset. When a person is walking in the flesh, their bondage to sin and the fear that comes with it changes their mindset. It changes the way they think, and it changes how they outwardly act. It may be conscious or subconscious, but the evidence is always seen on the outside. Fear and faith influence our decisions. They're behind every one that we make, and the same is true of our actions. Every time that you decide to cross the street, it's faith, because there's a real possibility that you could get hit by a car, but you go anyway in faith. Fear can do the opposite. Even if you don't see any cars, you may decide not to cross because there's a possibility of danger and you never leave that side of the street that you're on because of it. This is a decision informed by fear, the same way that the other is informed by faith. Before we're born again, fear controls our mindset. It affects everything that we think and do. But once we came to Christ, he took away the fear, and now we have the mindset of faith. It is never God's will for us to fear. 2 Timothy 1 and 7 tells us, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God has given us faith, and now we are called to walk in faith. Philemon verse 6 tells us that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Just having faith, although good, shouldn't be an end in itself. Our faith needs to produce. It needs to have an effect that is outward. In the Greek, effect means at work, active, effective, productive of due result. When we're living in the Spirit, we're dealing with what is within us. Romans 7.22 says, For I delight in the law of God, after the inward man. Even though the new spiritual nature is inward, it has to manifest outwardly. People should be able to notice our faith and to see its results in our life. The next thing that we need to look at is the importance of opinion. For people controlled by their flesh, their innermost, deepest level of opinion 
is beholden to their fallen sinful nature. It's all personal. They're controlling their own opinion, their own perspective, and the way that they see the world. They don't include God at all. If any outside force is influencing them at all, it's the devil, usurping their opinion and mindset for his own use and purposes. The emphasis is always on the self. The flesh never willingly relinquishes control to anything or anyone other than itself. When we allow ourselves to dictate our opinion on everything, we're pleasing the flesh. We see a contrast between this and what we saw earlier about what it means to please God. The definition for please said, to accommodate oneself to the opinion of others. We have to let God completely transform our nature as he renews our mind, so that our opinion will be his opinion. We need to conform to him. Philippians 2 and 5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, since the Holy Spirit dwells within us when we're born again. He will teach us and he will guide us in the way that he would have us to think and to act. He will reveal to us what is right. The Lord's opinion on a matter is his will for that matter. And once our opinion becomes united with his, our faith will truly start to be effectual and produce, and our living out of our faith will be well-pleasing to God. The last part of verse 7 that we need to look at is in the phrase, For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. The reason that the carnal mind isn't subjected to the law of God is because it hasn't yet accepted Christ as Lord. It's still under its own control, subject to its own law, which is the law of sin. In Romans 7, after speaking about the law of God in verse 22, Paul then says in verse 23, But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Before we're saved, there is a law of sin that our flesh complies with. Sin is the law, using fear to dictate thoughts and actions, and the flesh is the master lording over a man's life. The reason why it can't be subjected to the law of God is the same as we saw earlier, because we can't serve two masters at once. The flesh can't be following the law of sin and the law of God at the same time. It won't work. A change needs to take place. So then we must ask ourselves, how does a person get free from the bondage of the flesh and the law of sin? The answer is simple. They need to be born again. When we were born again, a lot happened. One of the main things is that there was a change in sovereignty. Control over our life forever changed. Before we were saved, we were sovereign over our own lives. But then we gave our lives to Christ and transferred our sovereignty to Him. Now He is Lord over our lives, and it is our job to submit to Him and His laws. Now the flesh has forever lost control and will never regain it. It's at this time that the war within us begins between the flesh and the spirit. As the flesh tries to get back lost territory, then we fight the war daily, never making provision for the flesh. It starts with our thoughts, the same way that the flesh brought Paul into captivity to the law of sin. We need to bring our thoughts into captivity. 2 Corinthians 10 and 5 says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing, that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Understanding this change, we see it in Paul's life. The contrast is clear in chapters 7 and 8. There are two major contrasts that we need to look at. In chapter 7, verse 14, Paul said, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. 
This is an interesting phrase, sold under sin. This indicates that sin had ownership of his life, but that's not the way that it stayed. Just like with each of us, there was a price paid for Paul's life. Christ gave his life to redeem him and to buy him back from the power of the enemy. 1 Corinthians 6 and 20 says, For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. He paid for our lives in blood. Now we're no longer sold under sin. We've been sold to God. He now rightfully has ownership of us. When we were saved, Christ received back what he is owed because he already paid the price for us in full. The next contrast is found in verses 17 through 18, which say, Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. Then verses 20 through 21 say, Now if I do that which I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law, that when I would do good, evil is present with me. Paul makes the point twice, that sin was dwelling within him. This goes beyond just affecting or influencing him. It became a part of who he was as a person. But then he met Jesus, and things changed. The Lord is a jealous God. When he comes into our lives, he won't share space with anyone else. All else has to be evicted, and him be the sole resident. Because he either has all of us, or he has none of us. There's no in-between. Now, instead of sin dwelling within us, the Spirit of God dwells within us. Romans 8 and 13 says, For if you live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. The old man and the old nature have died, and now we truly live because of the Holy Spirit within us. We see this clearly in Paul's writing in chapter 8. Verse 9 says, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Then verse 11 tells us, But if the Spirit of him that raised up Christ from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Today we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. We have faith, and because of this we're able to follow the law that God has instituted and walk in the Spirit. Let's go to Galatians chapter 5. In Galatians chapter 5, beginning in the 16th verse, it says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. There will always be a war between our flesh and our spirit, but we don't have to give in to our flesh. God has given us the power to overcome. Matthew 26 and 41 says, The Spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. 
The flesh is too weak to stop us if we truly set our minds to live and walk in the Spirit. This has to show forth evidence in our day-to-day lives, because you know a tree by the fruit that it bears. Both the flesh and the Spirit produce fruits if we walk in them. We see in this chapter all the fruits that the flesh produces when left to its own devices. Each of these things forever harms a person and destroys them spiritually. The self can't be trusted. Nothing good proceeds from it. The Spirit, on the other hand, produces good, eternal, and blessed fruit, fruit that will build us and others up, not tear us down. Unlike with the flesh, the fruits of the Spirit are not produced on our own, with no outside influence. They are given to us and put within us by God. He works them in us to manifest them through us as He uses us as His vessels. When we are truly walking in the Spirit, we won't be able to help but produce these fruits because they're the natural byproduct of willfully serving the Lord by walking in the Spirit. As we continue to serve and live this out, and as we continue to mortify the flesh daily and not give in to the enemy, God will bless our effort, and He will continue to produce the fruits of the Spirit in our life. And in the end, through the power that only He can give us, we will overcome. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank You that You have freed us from the bondage that we were once under to our flesh, that you have freed us from the bondage to fear. Lord, we thank you that we are free today, that you have adopted us into your family and into your kingdom, and with that you've given us all the things that come with you. You've given us love and peace and joy and hope and all the great things that you have for your people. Lord, we thank you that you didn't leave us in slavery to the flesh, but that you rescued us when we needed you most, that you arrived, and we know that Now that we have you within us, that you will never leave and never forsake us. Lord, we thank you for the Holy Spirit within us, and we thank you that you are constantly producing the fruits of the Spirit within us. And we ask for the wisdom and the strength to continue to walk in the Spirit so that we can do the things that the Spirit desires for us to do. Lord, we seek to please you. We seek to do those things that are pleasing to you. And we know that we can only do this by the inworking of your Spirit within us. Lord, we know that you are going to give us all the things that we need. And we thank you, Lord, that you supply all of our needs. Lord, we give you all the honor and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you want to overcome the flesh and have Jesus as a part of your life today, all you need to do is to invite Jesus into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior. You then need to repent of your sins and ask for his forgiveness. Then you trust that you've been forgiven and you ask for his free gift of eternal life. Now, if you've prayed this from a sincere heart and you truly meant it, then you are now a part of the family of God. Welcome to God's family. We want to thank everybody for listening today. We appreciate you taking out your time to spend with us. If you'd like to give us feedback and tell us how much you appreciate this show, you can contact us at kingswordbiblestudy at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about this program and this ministry, you can visit kingswordbible.com. We appreciate also if you write a review from wherever you're listening to this podcast from, and if you follow and subscribe so that more people can hear the King's Word for themselves. God bless you. We want you to know that we love you all, and we will see you next week as we continue to study the King's Word together.